Thank you for choosing this podcast from the Calling Community Church. As a Christ-centered community, our mission is to create space for all people to experience the compassionate love of the Father and the calling He has for their life. Please enjoy the message today recorded live inside the Wilson Arts Auditorium at Platte County High School in Platte City, Missouri. Well, I want to introduce you to my friend, Sergey Moskalov. Sergey, come on up here. Might be wondering about this. We'll talk about this here later. This is what happens when you go to the antique store and you find some interesting selections. Sergey, come on, go ahead and come on up. We're going to go ahead and get the, uh, the PowerPoint up here just to introduce you. Welcome, my friend, Sergey Moskalov from Gradna, Belarus. Everybody give him a warm... Sergey, go ahead and uh, have a seat right there. Like, actually, you know what? Let's move this out of the way, and then uh, we'll kind of sit in the middle, all right? Because we got all these people who are moving over this side. We got to give them some love too. Okay, are we ready? Good. There we go. So this gives you a little visual for where Belarus is. If you've never, how many of you have never heard of Belarus? Just raise your hand. Just be honest. See, we're practicing raising your hand again. There you go. Good. Yeah, never have heard. Uh, where uh, Belarus was located. And so this gives you just a little bit of a background. And uh, Gradna, the city that he's from, is in the, where that arrow is, right up there in the corner, real close to the, the Poland border. And he has a wife. Uh, he has four children, two daughters, two young sons. And Sergey and I met in 2000 and, uh, 2002. And I'll give you just a, just a few pictures there of his beautiful Beautiful family. And so we met in 2002, and then I had the opportunity. He was my interpreter. He, he, uh, he was my voice. He, everywhere I went, he spoke for me, and that was very important in a country where you don't speak the language. And so I really relied upon him, probably not even as much as he relies upon me as he's here today in, uh, in the country with us. So that just gives you a view. There's his two little boys, uh, precious. And that kind of gives you a little idea of where it is that they live there in the city. They live in a, uh, in a flat, I think you said it was in this building, right over here, right? Is that correct? Yeah, yeah good, okay. And uh, there you go, Belarusian road trip. Got all the kids, uh, kids piled in there. And this will give you an idea of what Sergey thinks about American food. <laughs> we went to Tin Kitchen over in Weston, had some barbecue, and he was like, very good, very good. <laughs> And so, very tasty. All right, let's go to the next, next one here. If I can slide it over. Okay, so we're going to share. Um, we're just going to share a little bit about Sergey's story. And I thought we'd just do this in interview style, just to kind of keep moving along. So, you t- I mentioned already that we met in 2002 when I went. Uh, with, I was with the, ba- the First Baptist Church at the time here in town, and we had a chance to. I went twice to Belarus in two years and then another year or so later after that. And that's when I met Sergey. And so we, it's been great because of social media, we've been able to stay in contact with one another and watch each other's families grow. He has been here with you several times that you don't know about because he is listening to the podcast. And if you've shared your story, if you've been here and you've spoke, whatever, Sergey has heard you, heard your story. And so he, act, he feels like he knows you. And hopefully you'll get a chance to know Know him. So, Sergey, tell us about what was your first impression of the United States when you, when you landed in Washington, Dallas, you got off the airplane uh, in America first time. What was your, tell us your impression. Well, to be honest with all of you guys, I feel really impressed with the variety of nations you have. And there was another thing that struck me into heart. I felt like I was accepted there right from the airport. People at customs were saying nice, nice things, and they were smiling, which is opposite to what I used to have in my country. And I really, really feel I am at home here. Believe it or not, uh, Brady, bless his heart, he's done everything <laughs> he could to make me feel like that, and I really appreciate that. Awesome. So tell, just tell us a little bit about your family. Um, give us a little more detailed picture, say one thing, but oh. just, yeah. Yeah, like you, you've seen, I've got 
four kids? Well, we've got four kids. <laughs> <laughs> Good, better include your wife in that. Yeah, and I've got a beautiful wife that I hardly deserve. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, like most of you know, having four or five or more kids is a little bit uh, tough sometimes. Uh, but we are getting over, and uh, I look forward to the pleasure of meeting together when we have grandchildren, for instance, and, and uh, praise Lord for life. You know, having children is a celebration of life. It's his gesture of kindness. I know there are millions of people dreaming to have children, and nothing happens, you know, and we, and we have. Yeah. So what, uh, what's the phrase, what's the way that they describe your family? Uh, when you have so many kids, what do they call it in Belarus? Well, they call it a super family. Any, any other super families in the room? Yeah, four more kids? Yeah, yeah, some super, super family. Um, all right, so we saw the picture. Tell us what you really think about American barbecue. Well, I don't really think about American barbecue. I eat it. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both, brother. <laughs> but sometimes I dream about it. <laughs> Uh, okay, so tell us, uh, what do you do, um, what's your job in Belarus? What do you do to, for a living, to make a living? Well, just recently, about a year ago, God revealed me his mercy again, and I got a phone call from one of my friends asking me to join his transportation company. And uh, it is kind of uh, IKEA in Europe, if you're familiar with that, and their delivery service, so that's what we do. And that helps a lot, gives them flexibility, you know, to do the nonprofit ministry as well. Uh, I used to work for the church for a number of years. Uh, I'm an office guy. I like computers and paperwork. And uh, that kind of job makes you feel dependent on God, like 100%. <laughs> yeah, anything to do with technology. There were some times yeah. when we were thinking, like, we have food for today and tomorrow, and what's next? Mm, that's true. But that's God true. has been always faithful. Amen. Amen. So tell us about your, your faith journey. How did you become a follower of Christ? Uh, there's very few, uh, like, Protestant Christians in Belarus, like, very small percentage. So how did you find Jesus? Or how did Jesus find you? Well, that's true. Uh, he found me. Uh, I guess most of you were born in the United States, right? And I was born uh, back in USSR, uh, Soviet Union, communist, non-Christian background, uh, working class parents, nothing special. But uh, the Lord revealed his mercy to my grandfather, uh, who by... Miracle was found by his former military mate, comrade, if you will, uh, who invited him to the church. And where, uh, from that point, uh, I think he started attending church and learned the scripture and grow in faith. And because he loved me so much and I felt it deep in my heart, his faith became my faith and his Lord became my Lord. Yeah. So what is it like uh, following Jesus in Belarus? I mean... In America, we've talked a lot about, about this, that we have so much freedom, almost too much in some ways, to follow Jesus, and it kind of almost gets in the way. But what's it like to follow Jesus in your country? Well, if you want real stuff, like adult Christianity, I will share. Yeah. It all starts with confession. Uh, when you just surrender, you give up your own ideas, and you say, Lord, I am tired of doing things my way. Now I want it your way. And that's the, where the journey starts from. And next stage, I would say, probably would be the simplicity. You know, like, there are people having two universities and two doctorate degrees behind, or they are running a huge company. May that all not be a hindrance for them to humiliate themselves. Because God gets all, should get all the glory. Mm. And if you don't get to that point, you will hardly be able to minister to the Lord at mm. all. You know, all this pride will take your joy away. Yeah, and the, and, the third, and the third step would probably be the sacrifice. Like C-S-S, -S, confession, 
simplicity and sacrifice. Uh, as I read the scriptures, I, I see from the very beginning uh, there were kind of the idea of sacrificing things, you know. And now I understand that without sacrificing time, efforts, whatever, uh, funds, uh, nothing really happens, mm. you know. Uh, it, it is the matter of whom you serve. It's like if you are your own God and your prayer is like, give me, please, <laughs> and that's all. And your God is a, a milk cow, you know. <laughs> you don't go far away from that point. Yeah. So the idea is to get to know the Lord and have it in heart that deep to be able to say, Lord, here I am. What shall I do? What do you want me to do? That's do. good. So we, we talked about um, this. We're going to jump ahead just a minute. That like he's, when, he come, when he came to, to the country and he'd meet someone, he, he could notice like a, a simplicity in, in someone's faith and that you, it almost becomes more genuine that way when you just see this person is completely relying upon the Lord. And, and that is the same in his country and in our country too. But in Belarus, are there some obstacles for Christians? Uh, you know, we, we, we talked about is it, is it possible to to go stand in the courtyard and to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is that acceptable, or what would happen if you were to do that? Well, I think you will get arrested soon and probably get fined or warned. But the main hindrance that stops people from serving the Lord, it's themselves. Mm. You know, it's like I am the main hindrance <laughs> to, to go for the Lord and do something, actually. Like... Uh, do you remember the Lord's Prayer? May your, may your will be what? Done. Done. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's right. And I think that's the same all over the world, right? They're like, there's, there's not really any difference here in America. Uh, so I know you didn't just come here to, uh, to see me uh, or to just eat barbecue, uh, though we've got to do both things, and it's been, it's been amazing. It's truly, it truly is a miracle that Sergey is here today. Like, I never, ever thought that he would be able to come to America. Like, we'd have this moment. And I always thought that someday I would get to go back to Belarus, and I pray and I plan on going there. Maybe some of you will go with me. We'll go back and be a part of this ministry that he's going to tell us about here shortly. So tell us about this ministry. He actually comes here as a missionary representing uh, Gradna uh, Baptist Church, Hope Church in Gradna, and they are doing some incredible work with people um, with disabilities in their country. And, and, and unfortunately, in their country, it's my guess is that they, uh, some of the times those people get pushed aside. And the church has really stepped up. And I say church, not just one church, it's multiple churches, has really stepped up to minister to these people and to, um, to help them. And so, so this is kind of a two-part question. Tell us about the ministry, and then, um, then you can... It encourages how can we be a part of partnering with you to bless this ministry. So I want you to think about that. But I just want you to know, like right away, because uh, I'm going to switch from this slide. Right away, already like we came into we came into the United States. We went to Bee Creek. Imagine that. You know, the next day we got some tea and we got some coffee. And while we were there, uh, we shared his story really quick with a gentleman that I know. And he gets out his wallet and hands him a hundred dollars. Okay, no pressure, by the way. But he hands him, and if you're going to hand him $100, hand him good, clean money, all right? Because Belarusians will not take dirty money. It has to be clean. Um, but so he just, right away, like God started to pour out blessing um, on him. And in the ministerial alliance meeting, a pastor, if, can you believe it? A pastor got out of his wallet and gave him money. Uh, just an incredible thing. And I, and I want him to see that this is, this is who we are. We're generous people. We want to be people who, who sow in to things that God is doing uh, in the world. And so... I'm going to show you a few pictures just of this ministry that Sergey comes to represent. So I want you to share with us uh, what it is that you're doing there in Belarus. Well, it was about 10 years ago when the church board uh, made a decision to try to be helpful for the society. And we were thinking uh, at ways to, to be helpful. And it was the idea in mind to help the least. Do you remember there was a verse in the Bible, you know, what you do for the least of this world you've done for me. And we thought, why? well, what, who are those the least unless them? 
limited vulnerabilities, uh, often uh, hidden, you know, in their apartments. And I don't know about your country, maybe they have more confidence, but in our country, people like families having children with disabilities, they hide them and they go out late at night, you know, or late evening for nobody to see them, you know, uh, going around and uh, taking some fresh air. So yeah, we, we tried um, to do that and we had about three to five families showed up and we introduced our idea and they were so happy and you know like the radio works, human radio, is that the name for it? I don't know, how do you <laughs> call it like human's radio? You don't advertise it at all, it spreads by itself and they invited other people and right now we're about 1600 people, uh, children with disabilities and young adults uh, trying to again be helpful for them, showing them love and make them feel of God's presence, you know, giving them the idea of there's something more in this life to be worth of living out. And, uh, so during the year we have this uh, uh, sort of Bible study classes uh, for them where they train and get mature in their faith. Uh, some, most of them got converted, some of them uh, got baptized already. Yeah, you saw a picture of the man. He was, had been in a wheelchair, and they took him out into the water and baptized him. Yes, and in fact, he is one of the associate pastors now oh, for, wow. the, for this ministry. Yeah. And uh, they came with this idea by themselves. They asked us if it's possible for, to be able to, you know, to go out, take them all to the countryside, uh, away from people's eyes, like healthy people's eyes, if you know what I mean and be themselves, be uh, enjoying what God has done for them, and life is the precious gift we, we, we got from the Lord. Nothing can be compared to that. So we would love to provide this opportunity for them. Like Brady said, there were seven churches involved already, local churches, but uh, our possibilities are limited, obviously, and uh, I'm not really asking for help. I am more asking for prayer and uh, me thinking of if you feel like God is leading you to that, it's, it's, if it's in your heart, you know, and you want to be part of this adult worship, I, I will put it this way, that we are more than welcome to join and uh, share the joy of this ministry. Yeah. He's not asking for help, but I'm asking you to help, all right? That's the way, and you know that's coming, all right? And so uh, the gentleman in this circle in this picture, when we went in 2003, it was like after the first time I met Sergey, we did a sports camp at their church. This gentleman was there. He was the coach, and he, we co he coached basketball, and we played the Belarusian national basketball team. They killed us. It was ugly. It was like embarrassing for all American basketball players. I'm just telling you right now. But this gentleman was there, and he's still involved in this ministry, still involved in their church, serving faithfully all these years later. And so one of the ways that you can uh, get involved is there's two camps you'll see up on the screen. In 2020, there's a seven-day children's camp, and there's an eight-day young adult camp. And this kind of gives you a breakdown of kind of what it is that they need. Uh, the campers do pay a small fee to invest um, in their own health and their own care, but as, as a church, as individuals, as we go around asking people to su support us, support this ministry, this is kind of the goal. This is the target that we have for uh, these camps coming up this summer. And so when the service is over, Sergey is going to be at a table, and he's got a sheet for you to, for one, sign up if you want to be, uh, sign up, give him, him your name and email, and he can update you and, and keep you in the loop, and you can be praying for this ministry. And so then if you want to support him, um, financially, you can do that. You could actually give him any gift, any kind of gift that you want, and we'll make sure that the money is clean and useful for him to take back. I, I trust this man with uh, uh, my house keys and my family, and I promise you there is no, there's no person in this room more honest and humble than Sergey. And so he did not want to ask this, but I'm like, we're going to ask because the people can be a support, can be an encouragement. 
And so we'll figure out ways to make sure that we uh, help him as much as we can. So let's pray for Sergey right now, and then we'll move on. So Lord, thank you so much for him being here, for him sacrificing, coming all this way, leaving his family behind, leaving his work behind, and trusting God that you would provide and that you would put good people uh, and good food in his midst. Lord, and we thank you that you've done that so far, and we know that you'll continue to open up doors. So God, bless him. Pour out your favor upon him and bless his family as they wait for his return. Bless the, the ministry that's going on there in Belarus. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Give him a hand. Thank you so much. All right, here, just put it on that mic stand right there. Okay, well, thank you so much uh, for just being here today and hearing Sergey's message. And so you remember the, the last few weeks, we've, uh, we've been talking about uh, making disciples, and we talked about your story and how important that is when it comes to making disciples. And isn't it awesome that Sergey's grandfather's story impacted him, and then it has impacted his own children, who will impact their children someday. And that's the beautiful picture of how this message gets spread. And a few weeks ago, I shared this, this passage out of Luke chapter 9, verse 51, where it talked about Jesus set out for Jerusalem. He was determined. And I'm going to give you one, two, three, four, five different translations of this one verse, just so you can get it in your head, what it is that we're talking about. Because we're going to do a series leading up to Easter called On the Way to Jerusalem. And so while we're on our way, what is it that we experience? Who do we come in contact with in Jerusalem? On my way to Belarus, I met Sergey, and it's changed my life. And it's impacted his life, too. On the way, as we went to make disciples in Belarus, uh, I went to give, and all I did was receive. I got more than I ever poured out while I was there. And that's just the way it happens when you serve. Right, Justin? Where are you at, Justin? Justin talked about going out and serving yesterday. And how he's like, that was like the most incredible, is the best high he has ever had in his life. And, and when you serve like that, when you give, that's what happens. And so, listen to this. Luke chapter 9, verse 51 Five different ways, and just so we can get our mind wrapped around this. When the days were coming to a close for him, for Jesus, to be taken up, he determined to journey to Jerusalem. That's the Christian Standard Bible. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. That's the English Standard Version, ESV. When it came close to the time for his ascension, because that was part of what they were talking about being taken up. Like he was literally being taken up to the city. He was making, being taken up to the cross, and he was getting ready to be taken up to heaven, right? And praise God, what goes up, what? Must come down. And we're waiting for that day. When it came close to the time for his ascension, he gathered up his courage and steeled his self, S-T-E-E-L-E-D, steeled himself like a steely-eyed, like he set his face like a flint. Have you ever heard that one? Set his face like a flint, like a rock. Like he's like, boom, Jerusalem, nothing's going to get in my way for the journey to Jerusalem. As the time approached, that was the message version, by the way. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out to Jerusalem. That's how I remember it from the NIV when I was in the Baptist church resolutely set out to Jerusalem. Now, let me ask you a question real quick. How many of you had some resolutions that just fell by the wayside already this year? Just give me, just let's be honest, just raise your hand. One person, the, oh, yeah, two. All right, the rest of you are, didn't even make resolutions, I know. Yeah, and Ireland, or not Ireland. Uh, why did I think that was Ireland? Yeah, like just a little blonde hair girl. She made a resolution, and she's still keeping it, by the way. That's good. And it came to pass, when the time has come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Right? Sounds familiar, right? That was the King James Version. But listen to this quote that I found. Jerusalem is where Jesus will die. Luke will keep reminding us that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, which is a veiled way of saying that he is on his way to his death. He was determined to obey the Father's will to bring salvation to humankind. Can we get an amen? 
Aren't we excited that he was determined? How many times have we been term, determined about something and we set our mind to it and we just gave up? Maybe Sergey at one point said, man, I want to go to America. I want to go see Pastor Brady. I want to go see his church. He was determined. And there were times where he's like, it will never happen. There's just no way. But it did. And Jesus was determined to bring salvation to humankind. Leading up to Easter, we're going to go on this journey and we're going to look into how Jesus on his way, who he came in contact with on his way to Jerusalem. So I want you to turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 10, all right? So open up your Bible, Luke chapter 10, open up your phone, whatever it is that you need to do. We're going to cruise through this passage of Scripture. So Jesus is on his way. And on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus met with Mary and Martha, who were sisters of a guy named Lazarus. You guys know who Lazarus is? Lazarus is kind of famous. There's a couple different um, Lazarus in the Scripture. This Lazarus was the one who had died and Jesus had brought back to life. And so on the way, in Luke chapter 10, verse 38, Jesus comes in contact with Mary and Martha. And so let's look at that passage of scripture here. It says, while they were traveling, he entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he had said. But Martha was distracted. Think about that word, distracted. By her many tasks, and she came up and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? So tell her to give me a hand. And the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. But one thing, think about that too, one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice, and it will not be taken from her. So you've, if, if, if you have any uh, connection with church at all, you've been in church, you've heard this story before, maybe you've heard it preached on multiple, multiple times. I want you to think about the word distracted. The word distracted literally means to be dragging stuff all around with you. Like you, you are so consumed, you're dragging stuff around with you. So I want to use this, this yoke that I bought yesterday at the little antique shop downtown Platte City. Martha was burdened, and she was dragging stuff, literally dragging stuff around with her. It was weighing her down. It was keeping her from being able to, to do the one thing that mattered the most. It literally means to be fussing with the details that were unnecessarily elaborate like we do sometimes when we know someone's coming over to our house or when we're getting ready for whatever. We sometimes begin to be overwhelmed and burdened by things that really, in the big picture, they just don't matter. Can I get an amen? Yeah, it's true. It's true. I, I can feel that way too. But, but before we throw Martha... Under the bus, or in Belarus, they would say train. <laughs> Before you throw Martha under the train, um, the reality is that some preparations needed to be made, right? Yeah, like, I mean, it's true. It's not like she, uh, I mean, she could have said, well, you know, Jesus, we, did, we did, really, really didn't do much for you. It was the least we could do. How many of you have heard that phrase before? It's the least you could do. If you, if you do the least for someone, isn't that wrong? Like, if you just do the least, like, Jared, I'm just going to do the least for you. That doesn't seem like I'm trying very hard, is it? You know, but in this particular case, she had to do something to prepare. And so let me ask you a question. What do you like when people come over to your house? How many of you just, uh, here we go, raising our hand. How many of you just, like, stress out and you got to like, get everything perfect, got to clean your house? How many of you clean your house before the maid comes over to clean the house? And you're like, man, I wish I had a maid, all right? <laughs> yeah, like, you, you like, we, we got to get it all ready. We got to get it all prepared. And the truth is, though, Martha does give us some encouragement and some, um, 
some, uh, some words to live by today because we do need to serve. We need to be a little bit more like Martha sometimes. And we can get a little bit lazy, right? We can just say, oh, you know, like, I, I know I, I, got, I want to do that. I mean, I heard this outreach is coming up. You know, the church is going to be doing this, and I want to do that. But, you know, I just don't have time. I'm kind of busy or whatever. Some of us need to be probably a little bit more like Martha. But the truth is, is we all need to be a little bit more like Mary, too. But we should not allow our works for Jesus to distract us from Jesus. So even if you're doing really good things and you're busy doing good things, sometimes that can get in the way of you really knowing who Jesus is. Because the problem is that sometimes we make it then about what we're doing and about us and less about him. And that is the one thing that could really weigh you down when it comes to your walk with Christ. Oswald Chambers in his uh, devotional called My Utmost for His Highest, my wife shared this with me the other day. It says, practical work may be a competition to abandonment to God because it causes us to think, look how useful I am. Oh, I can fall into that trap really easily as a pastor. Look at me. Look what all the things that I'm doing. Look how useful I am. But that gets into, in the way of maybe the sacrifice that Sergey was talking about in my obedience to God. Yesterday, it was funny, uh, Sergey played the role of Mary. He was sitting at our table reading his Bible, and I was Martha. I was running all over the place trying to get stuff ready and trying to get organized for the next day and everything else, and I was thinking to myself, there's Mary, and here I am. I'm Martha, <laughs> running all over the place, burdened, dragging stuff around with me. Well, on the way to Jerusalem, we discover the one thing that is necessary. And the one thing is an attitude of worship and meditation. And Mary shows us this. I'm not a pilot, but I know that there's a, a aeronautical, I don't know if that's the right word or not, term called attitude. Right? Anybody familiar with that? Like the attitude when you're flying? You know, it's like your, your position as you're flying in the air. And when we have a proper position to who Jesus is, it aligns us with the will of God. And I think Mary kind of got that. Like she had a proper position. Her attitude, if you will, was one of receiving from Jesus. And out of that receiving is when she can start doing, right? In Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says that we should offer ourselves as living sacrifices, which is holy and acceptable unto God, which is our spiritual act of worship, which is our proper attitude when we offer ourselves to him as a sacrifice. And then it says, do not be conformed any longer to the, the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right? We're getting our attitude right. We're renewing our mind. And then it says you'll know what the good, perfect, and pleasing will of God is after the proper attitude. I don't think Martha necessarily was wrong in serving. I just think that she missed maybe the reason to serve. And she, um, and it sounds like when Jesus came that maybe they were both at one time sitting at Jesus' feet, but then Martha got distracted and got up. And then Jesus tells her, you've chosen the one thing that's necessary. Our attitude should allow Jesus to be the guide that shows us where to go. The last part of the, the Oswald quote said, Never consider whether you are of use, but ever consider that you are not your own, but his. That you are not your own, but you belong to him. On the way to Jerusalem, we find Jesus praying, duh, I mean, Jesus prayed a lot on the way to Jerusalem. Matter of fact, the closer he got to Jerusalem, the more intense his prayers became. And the more simple and just real and vulnerable his prayers became. It says in 11, it says, chapter 11, it says he was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, it says one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Each 
rabbi would have their own yoke, right? I've talked about that a few days ago. Each rabbi would have their own way of praying. This is my prayer. Yoke yourself to my prayer. Can you imagine if Jesus was on the other side of this and we were walking together? Man, isn't that awesome? Like, wouldn't it be awesome if Jesus would just walk with us? But here's the deal, though. Sometimes Jesus is going to take you to places you probably really don't want to go because it can be uncomfortable. And it causes you to leave some other things that you thought were important behind. But Jesus says, yoke yourself to me. Learn my prayer. This is my prayer. And this is actually kind of a different version of it. Some say maybe just in response to the question that he was asked, Jesus just gives them a a different version. It's a little bit shorter version. And it says, he said to them, whenever you pray, say, Father, your name is honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us of our sins, for we also forgive everyone in debt to us, and not to bring us into temptation. On the way to Jerusalem, we find Jesus praying, and he taught them his prayer. You know, as a pastor, I, I kind of have my prayer. I do. Like when you come to me and you say, Bram, I'm just really struggling. I just really struggle. I'm worried about a lot of stuff. Man, the first, th- first thing I go to is Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. That's my prayer. Do not be anxious about anything, Stephanie. Don't. Don't be anxious about anything. She got a lot on her plate. Man, whew, a year ago, she had a lot on her plate. But don't be anxious about everything or anything, it says. But by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And he'll give you peace that transcends all understanding, right? And guard your heart and, and your mind in Christ Jesus. The Lord is near. Like, that's my prayer. Yoke yourself with me. You'll hear that prayer, right? Um, and then we have one for comfort. We have one for food. Um, but you know what? The prayers don't have to be complicated. Like, Jesus' prayer is not complicated. I mean, if you look at it, it's vertical and it's horizontal. <laughs> it's, Lord, your name be honored. Your kingdom come. Uh, horizontal. God, give me what I need for this day. It's very simple. Friday night, we gathered at the Dupin's house, and Eliana, uh, their little girl, how old is she, three? Four? She has a prayer. Eliana has a yoke. Yoke yourself to Eliana. Here's what you're going to hear. Here's her prayer. Dear Jesus, you know me. Thank you for dying. Come back soon. I love you, Jesus. Amen. Man, you want a prayer? Adopt that one right there. Isn't that good? Dear Jesus, you know me and you still love me. I don't know how that's possible. Thank you for dying a death that I didn't deserve or that I should have deserved. Come back soon, yes and amen, because what goes up must come down. I love you, Jesus. Amen. There you go. Eliana's yoke. Let's go on real quick. He also said to them, suppose one of you has a friend that goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I don't have anything to offer him. So get this picture. Your friend comes to you, knocks on your door at midnight and says, hey, I got another friend who just came. I don't have any bread. Can you lend me some bread? It's midnight. Okay, picture yourself in the American culture. In the world that we live in right now, what are you thinking? Go to the store. Quick trips open. Here's some money. (laughs) You know, whatever. Like, it's midnight. What are you doing? I turn into a vegetable, you know, or a pumpkin or whatever it is at midnight. It says, I don't, my friend's coming, I don't have anything to offer him. Then he will answer from inside and say, don't bother me. Sounds about right. Don't bother me. Now, does it depend on who it is that's asking? But should it depend on who is asking? You know, I would hope to think if I came to your house at midnight, you'd let me in. I mean, I would let you in, probably. Right in the front there, (laughs) into the garage, whatever. You know, I hope you would let me in. He says, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I have gone to bed. I can't get up to give you anything. 
I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his friend's shameless boldness, he will. On the way to Jerusalem, we find some radical hospitality. So in this culture, people travel late, like the people that would walk many hours for water, or the people who would go out in the dark so people would not see them. People would travel late because they would avoid the heat. How many of you, when you were little, your fam- you got up early to go on vacation, and you got up to beat the heat, or like the, you just got up early, kids will sleep, right? How many of you did that? I did. I remember it's like 4 o'clock in the morning. My parents would be loading up. We'd be half asleep. They'd be throwing us in the car. We don't know where we're going. We didn't wear seatbelts back then. Don't hear that, kids. Everybody wear their seatbelt. And we just took off. No electricity and no TV in that culture equaled you go to bed early. So they'd been in bed already for quite a while. And there was one room for sleeping. I know this to be true. Because I have a friend in Pakistan, and he's, he'll, he'll be talking to me on the phone, and they'll be all sleeping in the same room. So hospitality was a serious matter <laughs> in this culture. And this request, even though it seemed weird, wasn't really that unusual. And I'm not, I don't have time to go to all these passages of Scripture, but I want you to write down, if you're taking notes, write down Romans 12, 13, 1 Peter 4, 9, and Hebrews 13, 1 and 2. It's all about hospitality and how important it is. Some friends of mine gave me a book the other night about hospitality. And the title of the book is The Simplest Way to Change the World. The Simplest Way to Change the World. The secret weapon for gospel advancement is radical hospitality in the church. It's like opening up your door and letting people in and not being distracted and overwhelmed by unnecessary things and just opening up your life and letting people in. The end goal of hospitality, which by the way has the word hospital in it, if you've ever noticed that. The end goal of hospitality is care and healing People, you do the caring, Jesus does the healing. When we open up our home, and we did that on Friday night when we went to the Dupas, when we heard the Eliana's prayer. There was just a few couples there, but that exchange and the conversations and just sharing each other's story brings healing. And we gotta find a better way to do that as a church. And you just have to be intentional about inviting someone else in. Don't wait for me to schedule it on a calendar. Just do it and see the power of it. On the way to Jerusalem, we see shameless boldness, which is the word, um, it's a Greek word that means persistence. We see persistence. I told Sergey when he came to America, I wrote him a note. I said, because I wasn't there when he arrived, I said, in America, if you want something, just ask for it. And we will try to provide it for you. We need to be persistent in prayer like this friend. You might not need bread at midnight, but let me ask you a question this morning. What is it do you need? And are you persistent in prayer? Or do you just pray once and you just give up because God, the vending machine, doesn't work and you just stop trying? Are you shameless and are you bold? In your prayers, what is it that you need that's more valuable than bread? But we know if it's bread, God's going to give it to us because in his prayer he said, give us this day our daily bread. God's got it covered. And he knows what it is that you need. God is more dependable than the friend who reluctantly showed that hospitality. Is that true? Do you know that's true? God is more dependable than anybody you know. On the way to Jerusalem, we discover the Father wants to give us what we need the most. Let's read on. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. 
Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. And that is not an, a blank check from God. Like, well, I, all i got to do is ask and God's going to give me everything I want, right? The reality is, is sometimes he will. But the truth is, he's always going to give you what you need. And when we come to him with the right attitude in the right position, that's when we discover what his pleasing and perfect will is. And then he says this, What father among you, now isn't it interesting that there's this, this common theme of fatherhood in this passage of scripture. You got the father whose name is honored as holy. You got the father who is there with his kids in a place to give bread. And then you have this another representation of a father. What father among you if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake. Sounds like a cruel, fun joke, doesn't it? Um, it says, instead of a fish, or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? On the way to Jerusalem, we discover that God gives us what we need. It may be the daily bread. It's forgiveness for our sin. It's forgiveness that we have to offer other people. Hey, listen to this. Not everyone is going to get the coronavirus. Do you know that? Not everyone. Maybe not even anybody you know. <laughs> But all of us need forgiveness for our sin. And Jesus, that is a virus we all have. And Jesus is the only cure. On the way to Jerusalem, we find the Father giving us what it is that we need. Food, forgiveness, forgiveness for others, guidance and encouragement. How many of you say today, I need some guidance and I need some encouragement today? In this passage of Scripture, when he says he will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him, it is not salvation in this particular case, though you might be here today and you say, I need forgiveness of sin and I need salvation. Is that you today? If that's true and you need Jesus Right now, you're not yoked to him if you have not confessed your sin and followed Jesus in obedience. You're not yoked to him, but you're yoked to something. And you're distracted by many things. And it's dragging you around. <laughs> and Jesus is saying, I want you to be connected to me. I will take you. Matter of fact, it says that Jesus actually, when you, when you take his yoke upon you, he'll give you rest. Maybe you need some rest today. But Jesus will take you to incredible places. It'll be uncomfortable at times and it won't feel good sometimes, but it'll be better, right, than anything that the world has to offer. But in this case, the, the yoke or the, the Holy Spirit the, the, is an anointing. It's a filling. It is, a, it is something that he wants to give you to encourage you as you go about the tasks. Matter of fact, it's um, the Holy Spirit will be the guide that will help you seek the right things. It'll, it'll be the guide that will help you ask for the right kind of help. And it'll be the guide that will tell you and teach you how to knock on the right doors. The Holy Spirit is this filling, this, this, this giving uh, from the Lord that helps you have the right attitude and have you do the one thing that is necessary. Do you understand what I'm saying? But you do not have it. You will not have it in this context unless you seek it and ask for it and knock and allow the door to be opened. And he wants you to because he is a good father. The, whole, the worship team is going to come and we're going to worship. 
And as uh, just a, just real quick, if I forget to say it, as you're leaving today, uh, take some time to stop and sign up to help with the 6K. Take some time to to encourage Sergey today before before you leave this place. Don't be distracted by what has to happen after you leave today. Stay in the moment. But during the, the worship time, here at the end, this last song, maybe this morning, you need to come and you need to, to seek the Lord for something. Maybe you need to come and ask the Lord for something. And maybe there's some doors that you are hoping that will be open and you need to come and pray and ask God to open those doors and you come to knock. And that's, that's what this time is for but just like I told Sergey, if you want something, if you need something, just ask. I hope you understand what I'm saying. So respond um, in the way that the Lord is asking you to respond. If you need the Holy Spirit to fill you and to encourage you today, come and ask. Seek, ask, knock. Thanks again for choosing this podcast from the Calling Community Church. We hope it leaves you encouraged. If you need more information about the church or want to speak to someone about prayer or faith in Jesus, please visit our website, thecallingcommunitychurch.com and fill out the contact form. We look forward to hearing from you and hope you have a blessed day.